I'm Anthony Bachman from All Things Good and Nerdy, a geeky podcast, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other fantastic geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Steven, Chris, and SP. Welcome to an all-new episode of the official GunnaGeek.com show. I am Steven John Drew, and with me, of course, is Chris Farrell. I'm here under protest, but I'm he- here. He's also here under pressure. Also under pressure is Stargate Pioneer. I would start singing, but I'm pretty sure we'd get a takedown notice. What? It's a different song. It's under pressure. Just add an extra beat. That's what Vanilla Ice taught us you could do and get away with it. Because dun, 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 dun is different than dun, 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 dun. Okay. And we just got taken down. Get us for that. So this past weekend, very exciting weekend. We are recording this today on Monday, November the 2nd. And this past weekend, The Mandalorian did debut. And it came out and it was dropped at midnight. And so when you woke up in the morning... If Wait a minute, time out, time out. Midnight, what time zone? Let's, uh, let's have this one out. Pacific time, because it's the mm-hmm. most important time. So 3 a.m. Eastern time. It came, came mm-hmm. out at midnight proper time. And so, anywho, uh, it came out, and if you woke up the next morning, you probably saw spoilers. So we won't spoil anything for you, because we know some people haven't seen it. The only tease I'm going to give you is that they killed off the entire cast of season one. That's the only tease I'm going to give you. Oh, so the Walking Dead showrunners took over. (laughs) And then patted themselves on the back for being so witty for doing it. And then they gave it to the Game of Thrones showrunners for episode two. Ugh, those guys still have a Star Wars trilogy that they get to do. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Give it to John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Everybody wins. There's some people that don't like Dave. Well, then they're stupid. And you can put me on the record for that. Okay. All right. They're so stupid. would you like us to, to put this in text for you? Yes. Please <laughs> put this in text for me so that everyone can see my words immortalized for the internet at large, where I say, if they don't like Dave Filoni, they can promptly F off. <laughs> for the audio listener, we found there is a transcription service that seems to, to do a half-decent job. If you want to find out more about that, come to our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord, and Chris Farrell will tell you all about that. Let's go ahead and roll on to the news. All right, SP, I got to start off here prefacing your news point here, okay? Which one? The one that you're going to start off with here, because last week you talked about Osiris Rex. And as I was listening back to the show this past week, I realized, like, that sounds like an Irish character. Osiris Rex. With um, uh, maybe a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. Did did this just turn racist? Well, as long as we're going to talk about this, let's go back to how we segue into this whole thing by saying Roll On, which is also a song. So Under Pressure, Roll On. You're going to continue with the song titles as we go on throughout the night, Stephen? Just look at his poker face. So that would be a yes. Okay. 
stop right there. Thank you very much. Collaborate and listen. Steven's back with a brand new vision. <laughs> All right. Go, so go we're going to talk about my first news point, which is Osiris Rex. Again, we were on a cliffhanger at the end of last week's news about all these asteroid samples that were just floating off into space. Which, by the way, the cliffhanger song from Price is Right, also phenomenal. Can you can you recreate it for us? No, I'm not going to yodel. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> if you yodeled, that would have made my day. I was just like, I'm done. Man. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, there's nothing that can beat the yodel for Price is Right. Okay. So we were at this cliffhanger about Osiris-Rex and the sample that it obtained. And I read a couple of news articles this past week, one from spacenews.com, written by Jeff Baus, and one by space.com, written by Mike Wall, all about what happened. So here it is. NASA's Osiris-Rex spacecraft has secured the material it collected from asteroid Bennu into a sample return capsule. After images showed material leaking into space, the material storage process was accelerated, skipping the process to weigh the sample, which could have ended up with additional material loss. By the way, I hate leaking, leakage pointing to my wall behind me. The touch and go sample acquisition mechanism, also known as TEGSIM, had gathered so much material in the probe's six second rendezvous with Bennu that a mylar flap designed to seal the material into place had been wedged open by several large rocks, causing some material to leak out. After the Stowe operation was complete, the principal investigator for the mission at the University of Arizona, Dante Loretta, said he was confident that despite the leaking material, there was still a large amount of material in the tagsum head when it was sealed inside the return capsule. Now, the window for the spacecraft's maneuver to depart the vicinity of asteroid Bennu opens in early March 2021, which would return the probe to Earth in September 2023. So what you're saying is that it's floating in the most peculiar way. Is that what you're telling me? I'm saying it captured the stuff it needed and it's on its way back, hopefully by September 2023, if there's anyone left here to actually re receive it. Pretty sure that we know that the answer to that is that there won't be. Uh, we're fully aware of that. Interestingly enough, this asteroid is so loosely compacted that if an astronaut was actually to stand on it, it would sink him or her up to their knees or waist because the material is so loose. And that's why the tagsum ended up with so much material floating around it is the asteroid isn't very well put together. It's just loose and probably coarse and probably gets everywhere like sand on a planet oh, I hate like sand. Tatooine. I hate sand. I hate sand. It's coarse and it gets everywhere. And it makes you murder a bunch of children in the Jedi school. I don't know if the sand can be blamed for that. But he but. did murder a bunch of men, women, and children of the sand people because of the sand. That's so true. Anakin is sand racist is what I'm hearing here <laughs> because true. they had sand in their name and it just triggered him. So you guys have completely just obscured <laughs> actual science with science fantasy in Star Wars. Isn't that what we're talking about? 
<laughs> talking about this probe Osiris Rex orbiting around a real asteroid called Bennu and actually getting samples from the asteroid. Okay, this is cool. This is neat. Uh, I'm glad that it was a success. And you did have me on the edge of my seat until this week because I didn't look it up. I was waiting, waiting for you to tell me. Well, I, you know, if I were you, I would be very concerned because in September 2023, that's another chance for the space programs of the world to deorbit something onto your house. And that's true. That will probably be, for me at least, the end of the world as we know it. I got to commend you. You're taking this gag and running with it. <laughs> well, I've already committed myself not now to naming this one. Gonna say a bunch of song titles, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. We need a hero to save Steven's house. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next news point here, which is from me to you, Stargate Pioneer, because I am pleased to tell you we have it confirmed. There is a brand new. And actually, not just one, two brand new Apple TVs coming your way. And by Apple TVs, I mean Apple TV apps. Yes, there are two confirmed new Apple TV apps coming your way. It was announced a couple weeks ago that there would be Apple TV coming to the uh, PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. And now it's been loosely confirmed that it's going to be the Xbox are coming to the Xbox as well. The Apple TV app will be launching on the Xbox One series as well as the Xbox Series series on November 10th. It's going to come to PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 on November 12th. So it's funny how Microsoft worked that out there. They're like, we'll announce second, but we'll get out there first. It's just launch day for the new consoles. That's all. It's yeah. not like it's not like it was a race to get it out. It was we'll have it on day one of the new systems. This is not two new Apple TVs. This is two devices that will have Apple. This I believe they call it Apple TV Plus. The no, app is no, called Apple TV. I'm going to get there. This is this is the Apple TV app is what it's going to be. So it's okay. not, it's well, not same. Apple TVs. And then I was just yeah. teasing you and I, I clear I said it already. New Apple TV apps is what's coming. And the Apple TV apps are allegedly, uh, at least on the Xbox, going to allow users to sign up for the Apple TV Plus service through the app on uh, on the Xbox rather than forcing them to go over and register individually on the site, which is interesting because presumably Microsoft gets a bit of a cut from that if it's done in-app. Now, the Apple TV app itself is different than what SP just mentioned a, different go, a, a second ago there, the Apple TV Plus. Apple TV Plus is the subscription. Apple TV app is an app that encompasses a bunch of different things that people might have signed up via their Apple account, one of which is Apple TV Plus. But some people also subscribe to other subscriptions like CBS All Access, Showtime, AMC Plus, etc., all through their Apple account, and thus it's tied into the Apple TV wherever they're got this Apple TV app installed. So it's Another example of the wonderful naming structures that we're living with in the year 2020 with Apple TV having the Apple TV app and the Apple TV Plus. So further note as well, Microsoft did confirm that they are going to be launching the app, the Xbox series series with Netflix, Disney Plus, HBO Max, Spotify, YouTube, YouTube TV, Amazon Prime Video, Hulu, NBC, Peacock, Voodoo, Fandango, now Twitch, Sky Go. Now TV's Sky Ticket and many more 
will be available mm. on launch day. It's almost like their backwards compatible killer console can do all the backwards compatible apps that worked on the previous generation <laughs> of consoles. Who would have thunk? Apple TV, though, wasn't on that. And that was really the, the biggest part of this news point here is that Apple TV, Apple does seem to be recognizing, in my opinion, that people are getting pretty married to the devices that they're using to consume multimedia. And I think we're seeing that as well because people people seem to be wanting to, like if we look elsewhere, also people are wanting to stick with one sort of media consumption device that works for them and get all of their services through that. And if that media consumption device doesn't work for, for them, then they're going to just skip over to another service or skip over to a whole new device that does do everything. And so it's interesting because I think Apple originally was really trying to push the whole, hey, get an Apple TV thing. And then Apple TV went stale. Yes and no, though, because when Apple TV Plus came out, it was already available on Fire TV and Roku, or at the very least, the deals had been announced that the apps would be coming there shortly. The ongoing spread of it I think is a good thing that's great for consumers. Now, what I wish we would see from my personal standpoint, I don't think we ever will, is Apple TV plus the app on Android so that I can put it Mm. on my NVIDIA Shield and then I can free up one of the inputs on my receiver and no longer have the Apple TV connected to my main TV. But the thing is, when they announced Apple TV plus, I believe they had announced Apple TV, the the independent app here that encompasses a bunch of or so they're the same. They're the same, though. If you have Apple TV Plus, anything you would watch that service is done through that Apple TV app that you get there because I have it on my Roku. But Apple TV Plus is the service. It's a subscription service that you can watch through that Apple TV app. But that Apple TV app also exposes, like you said, any channels you subscribe to or any content you've bought through the iTunes store. Exactly, which is why they're, they're distinctly different. And that's what I'm saying is that when they announced Apple TV Plus, I believe they had announced this whole Apple TV concept, this general umbrella. And that's the part that I find really interesting. And I think it's smart on Apple's part because I'm sure they're getting a cut of those subscriptions that people are signing up to through Apple TV. If people are signing up to CBS All Access through Apple TV, they're probably getting a a slice of that pie. And so I think that's kind of smart for them. And, And truthfully... I think that if this fits into your ecosystem, I think that's a really good idea to have all of your subscriptions through one main access point like this Apple TV app so that you can put it on different areas and and not have to have a bunch of different logins at a whole bunch of different apps on individual consoles and things like that. You're just like, okay, I'll throw the Apple TV app on, I'll sign in and I'm off to the races. So So, it's convenient. Well, then to keep in mind, there's already a universal app for that, because if you can get the Amazon video app on any of these services and Amazon already has channels and things like that, and you can buy movies and TV shows. So in theory, you could buy it all through Amazon and just run that app on any of your devices. Now, it's not discounting the fact that Apple's following a similar model. It's a smart idea. And I think they have come to realize that if you want to have a streaming service and to have purchases of things through that service, you can't just limit it to your own hardware because while people may have a lot of iPhones, iPads, and things like that, they don't have TV boxes, i.e. Apple TVs for the most part, because they are very much at the end of the pack right now and falling further behind as they're not getting a newer, better piece of hardware out there. People are upgrading and moving on to other stuff. 
So, SP, I'm pleased that I could tell you and confirm for you today there are two new Apple TV apps coming to you soon. First of all, I want to say that uh, when apps started to infiltrate streaming, the Xbox seemed to be the thing that everything was coming together, that you could get everything through the Xbox. I'm pleased to see more and more things coming available on PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. Now, encountering your point on having everything through a singular subscription like Apple TV or one login, if you have a family that has decided, older family, older kids maybe, or siblings, whatever, and each of them have decided to go out and get a streaming service, and then you share the subscriptions. So like one person has the login for Netflix, one person has the login for Prime, one person has the login for Apple TV, but yada, 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 CBS All Access or whatever they're going to call it. I forget what it is. Paramount, you know, all this stuff. If, if one sibling had access and then shared it with their other siblings, then you couldn't do the singular uh, uh, login through one account. You would have to go in and log in each individual app and a lot of people do that all i'm hearing is that it's an excuse for you to get your kids off of your netflix account and you should get (laughs) all on board with this that's all that i'm hearing sb well uh some of the kids have decided to pay for streaming service and i no longer (gasps) pay for those streaming services but i have access to them oh fair enough All right. Well, at least the shoe's on the other foot now. So ride that way for a while. I'll accept your point on that. Now the rubber band is on the other claw. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to the next news point, which is all about Ubisoft PS5 update. That's what the sidebar says. Yes, I've talked too much about the Xbox in my past news stories, so I'll talk about the PlayStation 5 since its launch is only two days after the Xbox Series X. So one of the things that Sony had said when the PlayStation 5 was announced was that the vast majority of PS4 titles would be playable on the PS5. And I think we talked about either on this show or a different one, that list of games, there's really nothing that kind of jumped out that wasn't a great loss. That was a great loss, rather. It was only like 10 or 12 games. Well, earlier today, Ubisoft released its own backwards compatibility list to point out which older PS4 games wouldn't run on the PS5. Instead of sharing it directly on Sony's website, they flagged the titles on their own website. However, here's where it gets interesting. That was up for a few hours. They then took the list down. So now we're all kind of going, wait, wait what, what, what's going on now, Ubisoft? We don't understand. So they did issue a comment that The Verge picked up on and said, we have pulled the Ubisoft Connect article and forum post regarding backwards compatibility for the time being, as there may be inaccuracies involving the titles that will be playable on PS5. However, just so you guys have situational awareness, if anyone who's listening is intending to upgrade to a PS5 and is really big on Ubisoft games, specifically the Assassin's Creed games, here are the nine games that Ubisoft said would not work on PS5. Assassin's Creed Syndicate, Assassin's Creed Chronicles Trilogy Pack, Assassin's Creed Chronicles India, Assassin's Creed Chronicles China, Assassin's Creed Chronicles Russia, Risk, Star Trek Bridge Crew, which by all accounts is a really cool VR game, and the VR PSVR is actually compatible with PS5, side note, uh, Werewolves Within, which I also believe is a PlayStation VR game, and Space Junkies. And like we mentioned, The strange thing was it never showed up on the PS5 backward compatibility list, 
which has the 10 titles Sony said wouldn't work. And just for a point of comparison, because it has to be made, I am not casting any aspersions or taking shots. Uh, all of these Ubisoft titles that are cross-platform will work on the Xbox Series S and X because Microsoft and Sony are handling backwards compatibility differently. And Microsoft pretty much came out and said, if it plays on Xbox One and doesn't run on a Kinect, it'll run on Xbox Series S and X because Kinect doesn't work there. So I think it's interesting. And why I really bring this up is I think it's interesting Ubisoft pulled the article, but there's stuff that is seemingly outside the list that Sony originally put out. And I'm very curious what happens between now and 10 days from now when the PS5 launches to expand this list from other development shops. What other games we find out may not quite work as well as as well as was expected with the PS5 because we're really close to launch now. And I know backwards compatibility for some folks isn't a big deal, but for others, they're going to sell their PS4 to get a little extra coin to buy the new PS5. And the last thing I would want to do is then find out a game that I really loved I can no longer play because for some reason it wasn't announced that it wouldn't be forward compatible or backwards compatible with PS5. So it's an interesting news story in that regard. And I'm just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop at this point. Yeah, I'm a little surprised that they they pulled it down. Um, but I guess that's probably some lawyers leaning on them. I don't know. I wonder if Sony kind of picked up the phone and said, hey, hey, uh, why don't you vet this through us and let's make sure it works that way? Because I'm sure they have PS5 development boxes at Ubisoft, but I'm sure that Sony's running newer builds of the PS5 software that handles all the backwards compatibility stuff. And it could have been, hey, some of this stuff does actually work in the newer build of the software. So there's probably stuff to shake out. And I'm not trying to take a shot here. But oh my God, these eight or nine games don't work. It's an incredible feat of software development that they've made, let's say, 98% of the PS4 back catalog work on the PS5. That's awesome. It's just we need more transparency about what doesn't. I know that you said that it breaks your heart a little bit um, because of a couple of these titles here, but I just want you yes, to... Yes, I love the Assassin's Creed games. I play them so much. I just hope that you can shake it off, Chris Farrell. Shake it off. That came at me like a wrecking ball, Stephen. <laughs> those feelings. SB. <laughs> I was actually just recommended to play uh, Star Trek Bridge Crew in the, um, what do you call it? The, the 3D, you know, the virtual S reality. Supposedly very fun. Yeah. So, and uh, supposedly it's supposed to be friendly to those that are susceptible to vertigo, which I am due to my Meniere's disease. So, I was looking at that to try something, and if it's not going to work in the PS5, well, that's not going to matter, because I don't think I'm going to buy a PS5 right away. If I buy a console, it'll probably be the Xbox Series XS, or whatever mm -hmm. it's called. And side note, I kind of tossed it out there as a throwaway line. A PSVR is compatible with PlayStation 5, but you have to go on Sony's website and request an adapter kit that they'll send you for free once you provide the serial number of your PlayStation VR, and then you'll be able to run it on your PlayStation 5. However, comma, I don't know when those are supposed to ship, whether you'll receive it the same day you would receive your day one pre-order or not. Good thing I don't have a day one pre-order. Right. Anyways, uh, I still think that you should play Star Trek Bridge Crew, even if there's the Vertigo factor, because then at least you can go, hello, hello, I'm at a place called Vertigo. You two lyrics. You should scrub those from your mind if you knew what a reference that was. 
<laughs> well, moving on to the next news point here, uh, which actually on the title bar, whoa, we're halfway there. Whoa. <gasps> Go ahead, SB. Uh, yes, we're halfway <laughs> there. The Mars 2020 probe, which includes the rover Perseverance, is halfway to the red planet. This is being an article by space.com written by Mike Wall, so the Mars 2020 rover Perseverance, which launched on July 30th, now has traveled 146 million miles, or for those outside the United States, 235 million kilometers, in deep space, which is half the total distance required to reach Mars as of Tuesday, October 27, 2020. Now, Perseverance is scheduled to touch down in the Jezero crater on February 18, 2021. Perseverance will collect and cache several dozen samples from the Martian terrain for future return to Earth. The return campaign, which is a joint NASA-European Space Agency effort, note Canada is not part of that, could get this precious Mars material back to Earth as early as 2031. Now, in addition to Perseverance, it also carries on its belly a small helicopter named Ingenuity, which is a demonstration craft designed to help pave the way for extensive rotorcraft exploration of Mars in the future. Yes, it is a drone. And no, Stephen, you cannot fly it. Yet. I'm hacking it. That's what I'm going to do is I'm going to hack it. Lead hacksaw. Okay, I, so, so why can't I fly this? Isn't it like one of those things where you pay to play? Just like come to the machine, you put a coin in, and you're like, ah, I'm flying it! Crash! That would be cool. Yeah, like you go to an amusement park and you can drive a boat around for like 30 seconds and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this would be kind of cool. But unfortunately, the communications delay would be too much because by the time you sent a command and sent it up in the air and then that command returned back to Earth and then you sent another command to like fly forward for a little bit, the battery would have gone out. So, no, it's not possible. One day, one day I will fly this thing. That's my commitment to you, Stargate Pioneer. Well, I don't have any doubt that one day you will fly something on Mars, but it's not going to be ingenuity. That's true. Nobody has ever said that I have ingenuity. I can't say it even. (laughs) Okay, so what's the the hoorah, the hoopla going to be when this thing lands? Because this seems like this is a a thing that people are going to want to go and follow. You know, we're, we're living in a time that people are more and more interested in space things. And I've heard this mentioned on a few different, uh, like, mainstream media things that I think, I think five years ago wouldn't have really got a lot of coverage on. Do you think that there's going to be any big events to do with this? I think so. I think the powers that be will want to gen up interest in going to Mars because that's what the whole Artemis program is about, to return to the moon. But not just to return to the moon, it's also to prepare to actually go to Mars. So you got Artemis, you've got the Starship program at SpaceX, which, by the way, SN8, the eighth model of the Starship, is getting uh, ready to go for testing. I think it started testing, actually, late last week. So there is a bunch of push to actually get the money to send people to Mars. And it'll happen in the late... 2020s into the 2030s maybe by the end of 2030s we'll send somebody to mars maybe earlier i don't know it depends on on funding really and how successful the projects are the 
uh, Starship Rocket, the, the BFR, we've talked about quite a bit here from SpaceX, also the SLS from NASA. So it really depends on the success of those missions as we go forward. And remember, even Apollo was delayed. That's true. Well, in any case, I know you made it very clear Canada was not involved with this. This is a American, a USA project. So I will defer to you guys to have the party, you know, party in the USA. It's not just the USA. The European Space Agency is on board as well. No, I'm blaming you guys for this when it crashes and bombs Mars. We've done it before. We'll do it again. <laughs> All right, SP. I know I broke your heart a little bit earlier about the Apple TV. His achy, breaky heart. <laughs> didn't break my heart. I'm so callous about it anymore. I know I'm never going to get it, so I've moved on with life. Well, hold your horses there, one Stargate more thing. because there is one more thing. In fact, <laughs> Apple is calling their next event Apple One More Thing. That's what they're saying. They're calling this the One More Thing event. They have one more thing to announce this year. They just announced that on November 10th, next Tuesday, uh, is going to be the One More Thing event. We don't know exactly what it is. However, the rumors are looking like it is going to be a new lineup of Mac products. A set like, you know, desktop, laptop, that sort of thing. This is likely going to be the event where the Apple devices transition away again from Intel processors. It's looking like this might be where they make that jump. They, they announced before they're going away from Intel. And everybody is believing that this is going to be the event where they do that. There might be some other things revealed as well. Current rumors are thinking it's going to be AirPods Studios, which is some over-the-ear AirPods and AirTag trackers. There's currently, though, no rumor about the Apple TV. So maybe, maybe they'll slide that in at the end. Who knows? I'm, I doubt it. The trackers would be worth it, especially with any of the headphone stuff. You'd be surprised at how quickly you can lose those dang things. Yes, there's an ability to play a sound, but it, I mean, they're, they're so small. You could have it lost for quite some time and the charge would run out and then you just, you're going to lose them. And those are like 200, 150 to $200 stuff. So uh, I don't know about the new over-the-ear stuff, but obviously they're transitioning away from Beats into uh, Apple-branded stuff. And uh, I, I wish we would have time today, and we really, really don't. But at some time in the near future, I'm going to do this whole segment about how Apple, even though it's had some of the best quarters ever, I think they've failed. And they are going to start a rapid downturn because of a numerous factors. You wouldn't be the first person to predict that. I think the writing is on the wall. I think the pandemic really saved them for another year because of the demand for devices this year. But in the future, I, I just don't see it. I see more and more people going Android and away from the Apple architecture. It's a really interesting point that you bring up because I've talked a little bit about how my wife is looking at a new phone and very avid iPhone user has gone iPhone for a long time. And just a couple of years ago, maybe even a year ago, she was really concerned about losing iMessage, um, but still was like it really put off by the pricings of the iPhones compared to what she really needs out of a phone. 
So she, she was thinking about Android, but then was really concerned about the iMessage. I just ha- had her the other day tell me that she's like one of two people at her workplace now that still have an iPhone because everybody's switched off. And that's mind blowing to me because like I say it all the time. Actually, all of us say it all the time. We're not like the average consumer by any means. And so it was interesting to me to hear about some average consumers switching away. I will, after we record this, it's Monday, November 2nd. So this Friday, I will be ordering my new iPhone 12 Max or whatever they call it, plus Max, whatever, and Pro, iPhone 12 Pro Max. And that might be the last Apple device I have. I don't know. I've said it before on this show that one reason that I'm constrained to the Apple environment, to the iOS environment, is my sister who uses an iPad and she can call us on that. And she's mentally handicapped with an IQ of about 20. So that is what my limitation is. But if she could learn a Android system, then we could switch over to that. But it's really her that we're holding out for the iOS architecture right now. Yeah, I I said that before as well. As like my number one recommendation for anybody who buys a phone is do do the phone that works for you. That's the ultimate goal. Not what works for me, it's what works for you. For some people, switching and trying to learn Android doesn't work. For some people, iMessage is a critical part of their day-to-day life because it's it's international, right? For some people, FaceTime and that's the device that works for them. And I won't fault anybody ever for that choice. Um, I think one of the things sort of in relation to what we're talking a little bit about here with the Apple TV idea that we've been yammering on a while about there is that it hasn't evolved in so long that there probably is a lot of people who have started looking at things like fire sticks and probably the Chromecast will get some attention too. now it's got Android TV in there. The Roku's the, you know, the, um, what's that other one? Uh, the shield, like. There's been a lot of time there that people will only wait so long. So I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens here. It was what a month ago, month and a half ago that I went to our family lake home and my parents wanted to watch something, but they could only get it off their phones or their tablets. I can't remember what it was. And they're like, how can we get this on the the TV? And I said, well, it's easy. You, You cast it, you use airplay or whatever to get it over there. And they're like, well, what do we need on the TV to do that? I said, well, you'll, going to need an Apple TV. So they had a, I want to say a fourth generation Apple TV on one of the TVs that they could use, but it was only one that was there and it wasn't on the TV that they wanted. So they, they, they were limited in, in what they were capable of doing because of that. And I know that if you're on another device that the casting from the mobile device to the TV is so much easier, so much more ubiquitous that, uh, because the devices are cheaper you know, and, and, and more people buy them, whether it's a Roku or Shield or, or whatever. It's just an, a, a different architecture that doesn't have the Apple tax associated with it. Well, and what I think is really interesting now that you bring up the casting, we'll just go down this rabbit hole for a few minutes here. Um, there's an app that my wife was using and when she was, it was like a subscription thing. And when she first got it, she was on an iPhone. It didn't have any casting like Google Cast function in it, but it did have AirPlay. And there was a Fire TV app that I got that did seem to work fine for her on there that emulated AirPlay. So 
I didn't have a chance to really get put it through its paces because I, I was kind of curious, but it would only be fair if I had a modern iPhone to really throw that through the paces because I've seen some of those apps be hokey once you throw a lot of data through it. But then when she got the paid version on her iPhone, it had the ability to actually properly Chromecast. So she just started to stream it through the Chromecast. And it was interesting to me that that was one of the paid features that this service was doing was okay, now you get access to the Chromecast function of it. And that was, again, on an iPhone. So I just find that interesting. Google had an interesting play in basically putting Cast out there for free for anyone to incorporate who wanted it into their tools as long as they followed the documentation and used the APIs Google said to use. And I still think that it's the evolution of what Apple originally did with AirPlay because AirPlay is basically saying, your iPad or your iPhone or whatever is going to play this video and then it is going to stream it to your uh, Apple TV to display on screen or to your PC or to, excuse me, to your Apple computer. And then the way casting works is basically your phone throws a link to where this content can be found and it starts playing it independently. So your device remains free for you to do other things. Like I've, I've used AirPlay on my iPad before and we were streaming something that I could only get to show up via AirPlay and I closed the app because I wanted to go or minimize the app because I want to do something else and it stopped playing on screen and I was like the hell just happened because I didn't realize because I had never really experienced it that that was one of the limitations of AirPlay and I think it was using the official West Virginia University app to stream a football game legally it was one that they showed on there but the only way I could get it was to AirPlay it onto my TV so my iPad was held captive for four hours and anytime my iPad went idle for long enough and then auto locked itself, it would stop playing on screen. And I was like, this is so annoying. Why can't they just let me cast this? <laughs> yeah. I, I like all joking aside, I am hoping that at last minute they decide to bring up the Apple TV release because the rumors earlier in the year, I believe you had mentioned SP was that it was almost ready to launch. If they got all of this hardware sitting there, it's just getting more and more dated every day. And I'd like to see it hit uh, the holiday season. I think it would bolster Apple's complete product line to be able to have an updated streaming box. Absolutely. And the only thing I could think of that they aren't releasing it is because they want to limit the amount of devices for people to purchase because... Uh, they know that uh, money is is tighter for a lot of people in 2020, and they want to bolster some different parts of their uh, product line, whether it's uh, what we're <laughs> have already talked about with the Mac products here, or maybe the new iPhones, because iPhones were a little lackluster last year um, for a variety of reasons. Or... The other reason is that they just can't get the manufacturing through where the, there just isn't the capacity with uh, partial shutdowns. The raw materials aren't there. They just didn't have the lead time for it. I don't know. But the rumor was they were ready to go. So it that, that, that tells me that they were already made and in some shipping containers. But mm. maybe that rumor was false. I still have a hard time figuring out, bear in mind, I have an Apple TV right now. What the compelling reason would be to upgrade is what is this new hardware going to do for me now? Mm. What it might do for me two years from now is a different story from what it might do for me now. Like, for instance, the NVIDIA Shield, when they put out the new 2019 version, put an all new AI upscaler in there. 
for upscaling anything that was 480p up to 60 frames per second would then get upscaled to 4k and it worked surprisingly well which was an interesting way to get people to upgrade what's the compelling upgrade path i wonder is what well that's interesting now i'm in the and maybe i'm in the minority but i'm in the boat where i have a three-year-old iphone i have an apple i have two apple tv third generations one's my daughter's and, and one's here at the house and those Apple TV, we talked about it before on the show, those Apple TV third generations are starting to be decommissioned. You can't use them with certain apps. They, they The firmware can't be upgraded, whatever. And I don't want to go with an iPhone 4 or 5 because I know the 6 is around the corner. If I'm going to upgrade, I'm going to upgrade to either the 6 or a deeply discounted 5. And I haven't seen the 5 deeply discounted yet. So that is my upgrade path. I'm at the point where I... I'm so far behind that it definitely will be an increase going to a six. And I want that same with the iPhone 12. I'm rocking an iPhone eight plus. So the 12 is a magnitude better for me. I'm especially looking forward to the night vision on the camera with that, but not everybody is. If I had an iPhone 11 or an XS, I, the 12 doesn't hold anything for me. I I wouldn't want to go for it. It's the same problem that we've talked about before in regards to a lot of these products is if you keep upgrading every year, it's just because you have an addiction. It's not and I mean that in a joking way, but in all honesty, there's no real compelling reason with anything, cell phones, tablets, things like that at this point in time to be like, oh my God, I have to have the new version because it's all just iterative updates. It's not anything revolutionary at this point in time. You know, one of the things, though, that does stand out for me is people who do really like the Apple TV. The remote was a disaster on the oh previous God, generation. Terrible. That could legitimately be a reason that some people would upgrade. I mean, I have my Logitech Harmony remote controlling it because that made my life so much easier. Yeah. That remote I charged once. I used it. Went, oh, nope, nope. As soon as the Logitech works, I'm good. And now it's standing on my shelf. And it has run out of battery life months ago. And God knows if I'll ever actually charge it unless I decide to sell it at some point in time. Because it's just hot garbage. There is, though, people who, like, there are people who don't use harmonies, so. I would get any kind of third-party remote to do this. There's actually some vendors that have been pretty successful making IR Apple TV remotes because nobody likes how you interact with that remote because it's not user-friendly. I'm either going to click or I'm going to long swipe and navigating with that just a touch screen that you're using your thumb around on it. I don't like it. I like buttons in that regard. It looks cool. It's slick. Literally, it's slick. It feels good in the hand, but it's just such a pain in the butt to navigate around. Well, I guess we'll see what happens here. I do have reservations, though, about this coming out. I, I Like I said, the rumors aren't that the Apple TV is coming at this one more thing event that we started off this news point with, but I thought we would take one more. One more. Hey, there's one more chance there, SB. One more chance. It'll yeah. be interesting at the one more thing event, though, stepping us back to where we were originally, assuming this is all about the new processors and stuff like that, to see how that changes price points and what they announce for legacy OS support for all of the Intel hardware out there. When is the cutoff date for the Intel hardware now? Do we get an announcement on that? Because there are a lot of folks who did not buy the current gen iMacs, um, all the laptops and stuff like that. Because it was, well, wait a second, you're dropping a bunch of new Intel hardware to a few months from now, replace it all with your own hardware where I'm going to have to buy potentially new apps and all this other stuff. What's going on? This transition, it'll be interesting. And hopefully they make it so that things are compatible between them. 
Yeah, that's I, I think a really fair point because that was the issue you used to see with software before Apple came to Intel was software. It was hard to get put onto the Mac because people were the developers couldn't couldn't do it because they were they were able to build it on Intel, but it was too hard to switch it over to be based off of that hardware, right? Like, you know, the Mac hardware. So it'll be interesting to see what comes of this. Now, in all fairness, consumer habits have changed quite a bit. A lot of stuff's cloud-based now. A lot of stuff is more, you know, app style. So I guess we'll see what happens. I, I You know, I, I think they're in a mu much better position if hypothetically today this new Mac comes out and there's a lot more limited software that's available, I think they're in a lot better position for that model to work than why they originally came to Intel or came back and, to Intel. And remember, the capacity is there to make some of these Intel kind of apps work on ARM processors, because I think we talked about it on this show when Microsoft started doing their version of Windows, not Windows RT, but when was it Windows 10 Go or whatever it is that is designed that can work on ARM processors, they got Win32 and Win64 apps running on there. And there was a compatibility mode to make these things work on the ARM processor. So the software know-how is there to do it. However, comma, and I'm not trying to take a shot here, but it's going to sound like I am. When it comes to software, I tend to trust Microsoft at doing a better job than I do on the software front for Apple. They make really nice hardware, but it's the software at times that seems to be lacking or looks pretty, but isn't really functional at times. Shots fired. I mean, it's not wrong. <laughs> I mean, look back historically and Apple still doesn't understand how to do like cloud-based storage and stuff like that. Their price points until recently were insane. I think Apple just told you, Chris, to hit them with your best shot. I did. I was going to say that, that that there was a shot signed, sealed, delivered. That's what that was. <sighs> they'll get knocked down, but they'll get up again. You're never going to keep them down. All right, and uh, we got another one here. Uh, it's something about plates and how Chris doesn't like plates or no, something like that. I eat out of bowls for everything. Oh, that's right. Give me right. a bowl. That's right. Oh, is that? Yeah. You're Canadian now, hey? Never mind. I want a bowl, right? But you, We have that here in text. Chris asked for a bowl, okay? Yeah, I like a the things that I eat soup out of. Of what? Yeah, Chris asked soup? for a bowl. It's in writing if you want to go to this week's episode mm -hmm. at gunnageek.com. Chris asked for a bowl. Context is everything, though, friends. Context is everything. All right. So speaking of your bad habits, uh, it's a bad habit to make products for somebody else's product. Right. It, sh it sure is. This gets us into an interesting story is last month, Sony did their teardown of the PS5 where they literally had one of their employees come and tear the entire thing down on video, show all the components that were in it. But what was interesting is if you've seen the PS5, it is absolutely massive. It is uh, basically two white plates on either side of a uh, of a black sandwich middle, for lack of a better term. But these plates, these white plates, they're easily removable. In fact, so much of it, it was removable by hand. You didn't have to use tools. So there became a lot of hope that we might see an aftermarket for customizable Xbox 360-inspired side plates for the side of the PS5. And if you don't remember, going back to the Xbox original Xbox 360, when Microsoft put that out, you could pop off the front faceplate and swap on different ones. They had Halo-inspired ones. They had like different Art Deco-inspired ones. And it was actually a selling point of the original Xbox 360. 
Sony did not announce anything like that, however, for the PS5, but the customization community started getting hopeful. We might see some cool ways to change up your PS5, put uh, matte black plates on there so you can have an all black PS5 in your entertainment center, which is important to some people, myself included, because I like most of my electronics to be darker in color, so they're not eye drawing. Now, Sony evidently is not one of those that is on board with this idea of uh, having customizable plates that are out there, unless they're making them probably. The company has reportedly threatened legal action against one of the first companies that was out there that designed and attempted to sell custom PS5 faceplates, first for trademark infringement and then for alleged infringement on intellectual property. So if you did not know, there was a website out there, and this is a purposeful play on words called theplatestation.com that was, quote, born out of the single desire to create a matte black custom faceplate simply because we believed it was what the PS5 community deserved. That is what they said on their website. The site went up last month promising unofficial third-party accessories for the PS5, including a number of colorful $40 faceplates that it planned to ship within two weeks of the PS5's November 12th launch. It was reported at the Video Game Chronicle that Sony quickly reached out to put a stop to this effort. After a day of our website being live, Sony's lawyers asked us to change our name at, Play at PlayStation 5 due to trademark infringements. A representative for the then-renamed Customize My Plates told the site. The plate maker thought the name change would be enough. They said since Sony had just pending patents on the faceplate design, but then Sony's lawyers told us it was their opinion, Sony's intellectual property extended to the faceplates, and that if we continued to sell and distribute them in any country, we would end up in court, the Customize My Plates representative stated. Sony did not respond to any requests for information from Ars Technica or a variety of other tech blogs out there, and following this legal threat, Change My Plates says it has now canceled and refunded all existing pre-orders for custom faceplates. The site now offers what they're calling armored console and controller skins for the PS5 in peel-and-apply vinyl rather than wholesale faceplate replacement with delivery expected to be at the end of the month. So it's very similar to dbrand skins and things like that you have seen. So this is not me coming out and being, oh my God, I can't believe Sony shut this down. It's Sony protected their intellectual property. I completely understand why people would want to buy custom plates for that. It sounds really cool. But if the custom plate is, say, not as strong a plastic as what Sony puts on the PS5, and there's something that happens where, say, that plate cracks or gets damaged that then causes damage to the PS5, people are going to blame Sony for it, whether it's Sony's fault or not. So they are defending their intellectual property in a way that I tend to think is their right to do, and I get why they would do it. My hope is that Sony looks at this and saw how there was such a demand from users to be like, oh my God, I can change up how my PS5 looks then maybe they pursue an official Sony-branded set of replacement plates that you could put on the side of the PS5. And my guess is when it comes to about a year from now, we start getting those custom consoles that are bundled with games. This is what you'll see is the Marvel Spider-Man 2 PS5, whenever it comes out, will have customized Spider-Man plates that are snapped onto a regular PS5 body or something like that. So these guys, I think, were just ahead of what Sony was planning to do and legitimately got shut down because they were dabbling where they shouldn't. I just want to see him because I think it'd be cool. Sony's going to take this idea, they'll run with it, they'll charge more, all because they oh, just yeah. want it. It's all about money, 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 money! 
it's going to be like 50 bucks at least per plate or some nonsense like that. No, I kid. It'll probably be 50 for both. But don't be shocked if Sony does it because official first party, they'll be expensive. But also don't be shocked if people do 3D blueprints and put them out and say, here, print your own plates for your PS5 if you want. It is, it is though, a little sad, though, when you've got a company like this with such a good idea and then there it goes. Another one bites the dust. Well, to, to be fair, everyone who watched that presentation went, oh, we should do this. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sony, when they get the plates and if they break, I, I just want to offer them some consulting here, some free unsolicited advice. It's pretty easy, guys. All you have to say if they break is that you're holding it wrong. It works before by somebody, it can work again. Yep. Precedent, legal precedent. We're good. <laughs> and then they can just give away a free bumper. And, you know, a little tape to fix the crack. That's you know? right. That's right. Well, that's interesting. And we will see what happens with this. But hey, uh, I commented before PlayStation 5, it's ugly. Actually, so is Xbox Series X. It's also ugly. Yeah, but it kind of disappears because it's just a little tower. Well, not little, but it's a tower. It doesn't draw your eye to it. The yeah. problem with the Sony PS5. Okay, problem. It's all a matter of taste here. Those giant friggin' fins that are on it. You're like, this does not look like anything else that I have in my entertainment center. A big black box kind of fits in with my receiver or any of the other equipment that's up there. It just kind of blends in. Yeah. Well, Again, I'm a homer. I fully admit it. I've already said I'm buying an Xbox. So just keep that in mind, people, and send your hate mail to js at gunnageek.com. <laughs> That's js at gunnageek.com. SP, uh, I don't usually speak for you, but I, I'm going to speak for you for a moment because I'm pretty sure that I can confidently say that you and I both look forward to hearing Chris Farrell's comprehensive review on the PlayStation 5. Are you buying me one? I'll review it if you buy me one. All we have to do is wait for a Spider-Man game to come out, and then you're all hooked in. I don't know, man. I kind of took a stand on some of that stuff recently. Like, Marvel Spider-Man game is really good, and I'm glad I played it. But when they announced the Avengers game, and we talked about it on here, the console-exclusive DLC to get Spider-Man only on PlayStation 4 slash 5 when the upgrade comes out, comes out, it really left a bad taste in my mouth. And I know, like, an exclusive game is different than exclusive DLC, but I just I don't want to play that game right now. Well, you know what you should do? You should stand in the place where you live, now face north. So, I want to... Yeah, I'll have to do some research, but I'm pretty sure at some point, Chris said, I'm not ever going to buy a PS4, and yet, I think it was six months later. Oh, I'm sure yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I know I did. I, I We've already had this conversation. I, I'm pretty sure I'm you... I'm a hypocrite. I yeah. fully admit it. I'm a hypocrite. I bought it. I like the system. I've played some cool games. But things have changed and maybe I've evolved a little bit. There's not really a pressing need for me to be like, oh, my God, I have to have this. And especially with a launch console, that's five hundred dollars. I'm certainly not going to pay five hundred bucks for one game right now. Note for the log, November 2nd, 2020, <laughs> six fine. months in the future. Oh, it's it it April, May. We're, we're talking like two or three years from now before they're actually mm -hmm. going to have the next Spider-Man game on there. That's not a glorified DLC pack. Mm -hmm. Maybe we need Let's to register the, a domain that we can constantly refer back to this episode. <laughs> How many days since Chris said he wouldn't buy a PS5? Chris, Chris's <laughs> PS5 countdown. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, hey, if you guys pay me for it or chip in, I'll buy no, one. No, no, this is going to be just for you. Steven, this is how you can finally pay me is to have a PS5 delivered to me from Sony as a review copy. I'll be sure to review it for gunnageek.com. <laughs> Static. Can't hear you. Uh, don't worry. You can read the closed captioning <laughs> where I said exactly what you needed to see. Oh, it is there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for checking out another episode of the Gunna Geek Show. We hope you had a fun time. If you didn't know this, we got a website over at gunnageek.com, a bunch of awesome podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network. And if you didn't know this, we do have a Discord server. It's gunnageek.com slash Discord, where we talk about all sorts of geeky happenings throughout the week. We'd love to have you over there. Chat with us. Comment about how many times Chris Farrell uh, does say he's not going to get a console before he goes and inevitably buys it. Please come over to gunnageek.com slash Discord and join us over there. And uh, on a serious note, though, Chris has been organizing some fun gameplay through the Discord server. So please check that out. That's Among Us, right? Yes, we are playing tomorrow night. In fact, anyone watching live who wants to come play on November 3rd, just pop on into the Gunna Geek Discord and go down to the gaming channel or the Among Us voice channel and come play with us. Is there anything that either of you would like to plug or promote? Let's start off with SP. Yeah, we're... Bringing the on Legends of Shield, we're bringing the Luke Cage series to a close and looking forward to Daredevil. So, if you have anything to say about those or any of the other Netflix Marvels series before the Defenders are taken off in Netflix, possibly to go to Disney Plus as the IP time gates expire, just let us know at legendsofshield.com. All right, uh, SP, that was yours, uh, Chris Farrell. Yeah, so uh, last night I was a guest on the Geekly Speaking podcast. It was my second time on there with the Big Geek, who you might have formerly known on the Digital Soup podcast that were friends of ours. The Big Geek also guest starred on All Things Good and Nerdy yesterday, so I recorded two shows. And uh, we got to talk about, and it's something I didn't know a ton about until they started telling me about it, how Atari almost brought the, or almost bought the rights to the NES in the United States in the early to mid-80s and how that could have potentially changed the game industry as we know it, and it kind of morphed into us ripping on Atari and the current VCS console that, hey, I don't know if you guys knew, Atari has a new console dropping in 10 days that plays classic Atari games and some kind of other games that they were going to tell us about before launch, and launch is 10 days away, and they haven't told us anything about these other games that will be on the system. Hmm. Hmm. Is there a higher chance that people would care about that or that the Apple TV will be released before the end of the year. Oh, there's, I mean, there are people <laughs> that care about the new Atari console because they paid for it on Indiegogo and supported it. And it's only like a year and a half late, I think, at this point in time. So they probably still care. And yes, I'm throwing a bunch of shade right here. I'm not really too keen on what Atari's doing with the VCS. But if you want to find out more on that, that podcast will probably, uh, not drop until early next week, but that is the Geekly Speaking podcast that I was able to guest on. And I want to remind everybody that there is a show called Better Podcasting that SP and I do about podcasting. And this past week, we did an episode about how your year end, if you're reflecting on your podcast or creative endeavors for the year might look a little bit different this year. And we talked a lot about how 2020 made it hard for people to do things like this. Because if you didn't know this, Chris, SP, and myself, we all podcast for fun. It's all a hobby. We're not trying to make money. 
And it's been a tougher year because of 2020. And so there's been a lot that a lot of people haven't done. And so we kind of did a whole episode over, over on Better Podcasting to really help people position their frame of mind as they're looking at their year or accomplishments or lack of accomplishments and realize that it's okay as a hobby podcaster if it didn't end up where you had set out at the beginning of the year, because 2020 has been a bizarre ride, uh, especially doing something so intensive like streaming or podcasting. So I wanted to give a special plug out on that because if anybody's listening to this and and you have a hobby at all that you feel like you just fell out of in 2020, don't beat yourself up too hard on it because it has been a weird year. So if you check that out at betterpodcasting.com episode 237, I wanted to give that a special plug. But that is going to go ahead and wrap us up. So for another episode of the official gunnageek.com show, I'm Stephen John Drew saying, yes, we do have a video companion to this at gunnageek.com because video killed the radio star. And I'm SB saying, Prosser! I got no music lyrics. I was trying to come up with something. I'm just Chris. I <laughs> you're going to change your title to just Chris. Just Bye. Chris. Bye. checking out another episode of the official gunnageek.com show if you like the show please give us a five-star review in apple podcasts or a thumbs up on youtube you can always join us for our live recording sessions which stream mondays at 8 45 p.m eastern at www.geeks.live and remember you can find our full back catalog at gunnageek.com forward slash show if you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.